uh, really the book of Joshua. And as you're turning, let's pray. And let's ask God to speak to us this morning as we embark on a new journey uh, in the, into the Word of God. Father, thank you today for the Word of God. We pray, Lord, that it would bring forth much fruit in our life. And Lord, as we begin this journey through Joshua and, and learning some life lessons of progress, Lord, we pray, God, you would transform our lives and transform our church and lead us to a new level of the will of God for our life. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you're at Joshua chapter 1, hold your place there. Let me introduce to you where we're going to be headed for the next 12 Sunday mornings. You say 12 in a row? Absolutely. I really believe God's got us on to something here that we need to plug in and get involved with. In fact, right up front, let me just challenge you to make the next 12 Sunday mornings a top priority because we're going to begin talking about uh, 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 navigating through uncharted waters. You see, our life seems to be like it's an uncharted waters, you know. How many of you know we've never been in the future before? I don't know. Uh, Michael J. Fox is not here this morning, so uh, all of us probably have never made it into the future. Uh, we're in reality. And let me ask you, how many, how many of you from time to time in the future just kind of unnerves you a little bit? You just, oh man, what about tomorrow? Nobody. Well, let's go play golf or something, amen? The future sometimes kind of we, we have big question marks about it seems like uncharted uncharted waters. But God has a different idea about that. From our perspective, our future is uncharted waters. We've never been that way before. In fact, I want to read for you a passage in Joshua chapter 3. And let me give you the context here. Uh, Moses has died and God has put Joshua in charge after 40 years of wilderness wanderings. You remember that. They got right up to this place 40 years ago, and the people of God doubted God. They doubted the promises of God. They doubted the will of God. They, and they feared the promised land because there were what? In the, there were giants in the promised land. So because of that, even though Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, they said, we are able to go in and possess the country. The, the other spies brought in a bad report. And so for 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness around and around and around in circles until this moment now in Joshua chapter five, Joshua chapter one through verse uh, chapter five, where they moved into the promised possession. So chapter three, this is the context. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. Everyone say crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing, uh, bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you should go. For you have not passed this way before. How many of you know our future, we've never passed this way before? And we've got to know the way. You see, God knows the way. He, he knows the plan of God for your life. He has a perfect plan. That's why we're talking about navigating our way into God's perfect plan for our life. And over the next 12 Sunday mornings, including this one, I'm going to be sharing with you 12 life lessons of progress. And each one of these lessons are going to do some really powerful things for you. 
They're going to do this. Number one, they're going to lift the burden of the unknown in your life. You see, some of you look at your future and there's a burden well, about the future, the economic status, the economic state, the political state of our country, and, and the concerns about our future are so profound. But when we begin to learn these life lessons of spiritual progress, they'll move us out of the uncertainty of our life into the destiny of God for our life and lift the burden of the unknown in our life. Number two, these life lessons are gonna lighten the load of unrighteous lifestyle in your life. Because as you begin to appropriate the promises of God and begin to tap into these lessons, guess what? You're gonna to begin to live a more righteous, holy, right lifestyle. And it's going to begin to lift that burden off of you. Let me tell you something. Sin is a, is a heavy burden to bear. And God wants to lift it off of us. He wants to lighten the load. Look at your neighbor and say, God's gonna lighten the load for you this, this week and this month. He really is. And these life lessons are not only going to lift the burden of the unknown and lighten the load of unrighteous living in your life, but number three, they're going to lead us into the unwavering promises of God for our life. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan. He really does. And he wants to lead us. We, he wants to help us navigate our way through what we would perceive as uncharted waters into God's perfect plan for our life. That's what he wants to do. How many of you ready to start the journey this morning? Here we go. I'm going to give you the first one this morning. And guess what? I've got over 30 minutes this morning. We tweaked this service and we're back on track. I, I asked Robert, one of the ushers, I said, what do we need to cut? Communion, the preaching, or the singing? He looked at me and said, oh, kind of funny. I said, we'll just tweak it all and get right back on track. I'm in charge. I want to preach a lot. Amen. Hallelujah. So we got back on track. Here's the first one. Write it down. The first life lesson of spiritual progress that we can learn from Joshua and from this uh, illustration this morning. And that is this. Embrace the promises. Everyone say embrace the promises. Now go back to Joshua chapter 1. Now remember, Joshua was just an administrative assistant to Moses. But God comes to Moses in Joshua chapter 1, and in two verses, profound transition. He says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, and said Moses assist, to Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land, which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, Joshua just all of a sudden, I'm telling you, how many of you know God's sometimes a matter-of-fact God? He says, uh, uh, it's kind of like snap, snap out of it here, Joshua. Moses is dead. You're in charge. And then we see what he begins to do. He begins to declare to him the promises of God. And he says this. He says, he says uh, you're going to lead this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. I love these next three verses. You ought to memorize these. You ought to, you ought to meditate on these. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And everyone said, 
Amen. What does God begin to speak to Moses? Pardon me, Joshua. This new responsibility. He links this new responsibility with the promises of God. And what he's saying to us today is this. If we're going to arrive from, uh, move from point A to point B, move from the, from the wilderness wanderings of life, move from the sameness of this life into the destiny of God for our life, we've got to learn to appropriate and, and embrace the promises of God in our life. And God begins to uh, rehearse for, for Joshua the promises of God. And you know what? It's no different for us. If we can't appropriate and embrace the promises of God for our life, we'll never arrive into the destiny of God for our life. You see, there's a, there's a span of time between amen and there it is. When God gives a promise at the place of prayer, we've got to walk it out. We've got to appropriate it. And, and, it, and you know what? It, it was not the will of God for the children of Israel to have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But that, even though they did, it did not negate the promises. Did you know delay is not denial with God? Everyone say delay is not denial. And they come to the place once again and, and Joshua leads them through and, and God links him up with the promises of God. It's so important for us to understand that. Now, one of the things I've learned pastorally is that there's a lot of Christian people who because of maybe of their past, because of the mistakes of life, they don't believe, really believe that the promises of God apply to them. That they believe in some way the promises of God, they have been exempt from them because of past. If there was anyone that should have been exempt because of their past mistakes from the promises of God, it would have been the children of Israel. But how many of you know God's a God of mercy? And here's a lesson that I want you and I to embrace this morning. If we're going to embrace the promises of God, the real secret here is is learning to embrace who we really are in Christ. Now, a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, we talked about a series from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about the identity of Christ that we have. You know, the Bible says, everyone that's in Christ, they're a new creation, amen? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And here's what I want you to understand. If you're going to embrace the promises, you've got to embrace who you are in Him. And once you embrace who you are in him and your new identity in him, then you can begin to appropriate the promises. Then you can begin to realize, oh, those promises really do apply to me. Not because of what I have done or haven't done or, or, or how good or bad I am, but because of who he is. I would have said amen right there. And that's the way it was with Joshua. Joshua in two verses embraced a new identity in his life. He went from an administrative assistant to the leader of the children of Israel, the one who had the responsibility to fulfill the purpose of God for the children of Israel, God's chosen generation. And so he embraced his new identity and he began to follow through with the identity that God had given him. And that's what you and I, as children of God, we've got to embrace who we are in Christ. In fact, uh, flip over quickly to Galatians with me. Go to Galatians chapter 3. We've looked at that last, this last month. We looked at the Galatian church and we realized they were going through an identity crisis. And Paul was correcting them, getting them back in Christ, if you will. But look, and, and, and in doing that, look what he says in chapter 3, verse 26. He gets, he's trying to get them back to the core of who they are. As a Christian, as those who've given their lives to Christ, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All the sons of God say amen. amen. And he says, for as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. In other words, all who you used to be is not, a, a, you don't go back there anymore. You're neither slave or free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now catch this last verse here in chapter 3. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, let's go back to Joshua. He's leading the children of Israel into the promised land. They are Abraham's seed. And here we find out and discover because we are Christ, we are Abraham's seed. And we are rightful heirs to those promises. Are you getting it with me? In fact, there's a lot in your identity. In fact, this is really cool. You know, there's a lot in the name. And, you know, when, when God began to put together his plan, in fact, in Genesis chapter 14, you don't need to turn there, verse 13, Abram, who would later be Abraham, who is the father of our faith and the father of, of the Jewish race, the people of Israel, these same people that, that uh, Joshua is leading into the promised land. Abraham, it says about Abraham, he was a Hebrew. Everyone say Hebrew. In fact, if you go all the way into the New Testament about Paul the Apostle, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, the, the Jewish race were known as the Hebrew people. Now, when you look at the root word of this, of, of this Hebrew, this word Hebrew, it, the, really, the, the root of that word Hebrew, it means to cross over or to pass over. So God named his children the Passover crossover people. These people whom I'm creating, their purpose in life, the destiny of God for their life is born within their name. And, and you know, you think about that, even when they're in bondage, what, what did the death angel do? He passed over them, and then God led them out of Egyptian bondage, and they passed over, passed through the Red Sea, and would have passed through the, uh, and, and over the Jordan, but because of the children of Israel's uh, 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 fear and doubt, they were they, were, they stumbled in their journey, and for 40 years they lived in the wilderness wanderings. But now go back to Galatians. We're Abraham's seed. We're Hebrews. We're the Hebrew of Hebrews. God, hey, who we are is that we're Passover people. We're crossover people. Look at your neighbor and say, we're crossing over this thing. Amen? Come on. We're moving into the destiny of God for our life. You see, embracing the promises has everything to do with embracing who you are in Him. And here's the cool part. When you begin to embrace who you are, listen, the promises of God begin to come alive in you. They become personal. Everyone say personal. Man, the promises of God get personal. In fact, look in Joshua chapter 1. Let's look at some key words here in reference to the promises of God. It says, he begins to say, they're yours and for you. Look in verse uh, 1 through 5. It says, I'm giving it to them, but every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. And look in verse 4. That shall be your territory. And he said, I will be, verse 5, I will be with you. 
What was God doing with Joshua? He's making the promises that he gave to, to really to Abraham and then to Moses. He's, hey, he's giving them now. He's passing them on, if you will, uh, to Joshua. See, when you began to embrace your new identity, the promises of God began to become really personal to you. It's a thing I call generational transfer. You see, a lot of people talk about the generational curses. But let me talk about the generational transfer. Because of who you are, not because of what you have done, but because of who you are, the promises of God are yours in Christ as a crossover people, as a Hebrew of Hebrews. Amen. All the Hebrews said amen. And so it becomes very personal. You begin to realize, hey, these promises are for me. And you don't sit around on the sidelines and go, well, because I did this or because I'm that, because I don't have an education or because I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm toe jam or, or whatever and I'm the lowest of the low. I, 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 can't, I can't get the promise. Those promises aren't for me. Oh, yes, they are. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of what he has done and who you are because of what he has done. Man, I'm excited this morning. It, they become personal and then they become powerful because in verse 5 of chapter 1 it says no man will be able to stand against you or before you how many of you know that's real authority and power the promises of God are powerful they're yes and amen in Christ We've got to embrace the promises of God. How do we do it? By embracing who we are in Christ. And once we begin to embrace the fact that God has this for us, it becomes personal. It becomes powerful. And then those promises become productive in our life. They, we began to see the benefit and the reality of the promises of God in our life. And that's what God said to, to Joshua. Look what he says. Verse 6. He says, he said, be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and of a good courage and be careful to observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right or the left or to the, to the left that you may what? Prosper wherever you go. Somebody say prosper. Listen, I'm telling you, God wants to, you know, there's, there's a message of prosperity that I don't necessarily agree with. But let me tell you something. God wants to pro prosper you in every way, not just financially, spiritually. He wants you to move out of the wilderness, spiritual uh, doldrums of life and move you into a prosperous spiritual journey that plugs you into the will of God for your life, into God's perfect plan. Where the prosperity of God, and it says, it'll make, and, oh gosh, I better slow down. I'm getting excited. Look at verse 9. Have I not come? Oh, no. Verse, uh, I'm about to skip verse 8, the last part. It says, and you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. You see, the promises of God, that once we understand who we are in Him, and we begin to embrace the promises, they become personal, they become powerful, and they become productive in our lives. We began to see the fruit thereof. There's a lot of Christians live this, live this way. They read it, but they don't see it. And as a result, they find themselves on the sidelines of life thinking, well, I guess that wasn't for me. Maybe that's not really true for today. Well, the reality is, once you understand, hey, you are a child of God. You are a crossover people. You are the seed of Abraham, and your heirs according to the promise. Therefore, these promises are mine. And you begin to embrace them. They become personal. They become powerful, and they become productive in your life. And you begin to see these promises go, come to pass in your life. 
Amen. And because you understand who you are, that you're an heir. Now, here's the second part. When you understand that you're an heir according to the promise, how many of you know with identity comes responsibility? If you are a policeman, and that is your identity, you have responsibility. If you are a parent, you have responsibility. If you're the leader of the children of Israel, moving them out of the wilderness wanderings into the promised land, you have responsibility. If you're a husband, you have, with, every, with the identity of Christ, there comes great responsibility with the promises of God. And I want to give you some things that you and I must appropriate in our life as we embrace these promises. And here they are. We have the responsibility. And because we understand our identity, we have the responsibility of remembering the promises of God. Remembrance. And over and over in Scripture, and we looked at it a few moments ago, even with Jesus, the Lord establishes a plan of remembrance for us to remember the promises of God. And you, if you look in the Word of God, even in verse 8, even in verse 8, when you go to verse 8, you see this theme, you see the underlying understanding God's trying to speak to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to the all, that all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. What's he saying to him? You, he's saying, get it down in your spirit, uh, Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. Remember what the promises of God are. You see, the problem with the children of Israel when they got right up to the, the River Jordan the first time is they couldn't remember what God had promised them uh, uh, from day one. And so God comes to Joshua and says, you've got to remember this. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to let it come down deep in your spirit. You've got to, hey, let it come out of your mouth. And you know what the first thing Joshua does when he, once he gets it? He goes to the children of Israel. You know what the first message he says to them? Look in verse 10. No, really look in verse 13. He tells them, remember the word which, the, which, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and giving you this land. He said, remember the promises. You see, once we embrace our new identity, it comes the responsibility of remembering what God said. In fact, fast forward to three days later, they cross over into the promised land, and the first thing God says, listen, everybody, give me your, first, give me your finger. Everyone said the first thing. The first thing God says, I mean, I mean, they're all standing on the other side like Gomer Pyle going, Shazam. They're just, and the first thing God says is, hey, get 12, the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel, march them back out into that, that, that river Jordan, pick up a rock and build a memorial of remembrance to what I have done for you this day. In other words, we, the, the, the cancer of forgetfulness has got to be erased from our mind. You know what most people remember about life? The bad things. Come on now. We rehearse the curse and we rehearse the, the problem. We rehearse the past. And, 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 and God says, you've got to start remembering what I have done for you. If you're going to make it into the promises of God and into the God's perfect plan for your life, there's got to come a place where you, and because of your new identity in Christ, I'm going to remember what he said to me. I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to write it down. You know, 
Pastor Ron, he's my, he's my counselor, friend, mentor. He's on our board of directors. He's the apostle, a birther. He birthed this church. You know, I was sitting down talking with him about some issues concerning our church. Basically, be honest, the financial condition of our church is, is about as lean and tight as it's ever been. And, and you know, I, I'm, I, I don't need a, a rock to fall on me or lightning to hit me. I, hey, when I'm in a place of question marks, I'm going to find somebody to give me a little insight. And he, he was giving me a little counsel. And he said, Sam, let me tell you something. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to get a hold of thus saith the Lord in your life. And you better write it down, brother. So the next morning, I got up, man, I'm praying. I'm seeking God. And, and God spoke to me. You don't know what he spoke to me about, about us and about this church? He said, you're going to make it through this. That's where this was born, by the way. I wrote it down. I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Pastor Ron. I said, I wrote it down. I'm not going to forget this. It's the responsibility of remembrance. It's in our inherent, because of our being inheritors, we have an inherent responsibility because of our identity, and it's a responsibility of remembrance. And, and so the second thing you, that, that you and I need to embrace here about that is we also have the responsibility of reliance. Not only do we need to remember the Word of God, but we've got to rely upon the Word of God. And what Pastor Ron was telling me, he says, you've got to get a Word of the Lord on your life, and then you've got to trust what God says. You've got to trust the truth. It doesn't matter what everything else tells you. If the truth is the truth, it's the truth, and you've got to trust and rely upon the truth. Amen. And that's what he's teaching Joshua here. When you read through these verses in chapter 1, he's teaching him the responsibility of relying upon what he says. He says, you've got you've to believe it. You've got to read it. You don't turn to the left or the right. Read verse 7. You meditate on it day and night. You can trust it. You can rely upon what God says to you. Because it's the truth. Amen? And so we have the responsibility and embracing the promises of God because of who we are as inheritors and crossover people in the Hebrew of Hebrews we are. Hey, we have the responsibility of remembering in, uh, the word of the Lord and his promises to us and then relying upon them. You can trust the word of God. If he said it, I believe it, that settles it. And if he says everywhere I put my foot, he's going to give it to me, look out, here I come. And if he says no man will be able to stand before me, no man will be able to stand before me. If he says if I keep myself in the way of the Lord and don't turn to the left or the right, I'll make my way prosperous and have good success. Bless God, I'm going to obey his word and I'll be prosperous and have good success. I'm not going down, I'm going over, bless God. Amen. It's the responsibility of reliance that we must rely upon what God says. And let me just say, I believe God says Church on the Rock North is going over. Amen. Our greater days are yet before us. Oh, preacher, you've been saying that. Well, it's only been 15 years. I got another good 15 in me. Hallelujah. Before y'all go, Pastor, you, can you get up those steps there? I'm not retiring, I'm refiring. If y'all want one of them young whippersnippers, you're probably in the wrong place. I'm just being honest. 
But let me tell you something. We've got to remember. We've got to rely. Number three. Oh, this is important. This is one. This is a biggie. We've got to respond. It's the responsibility of responding to God's word. You see, people. How many of you know people are fickle? Have you ever left church with whoo? That was a great sir, preacher. And people sometimes, Pastor, that's a great message. And I say, well, what did I say? Uh, I don't know, but it's a great message. In other words, did you apply it in your life? Did you respond to the word of the Lord? Or did you just say amen and walk out and become a forgetful hearer and not an effectual doer? How many of you don't want to be a forgetful hearer, but you want to be a you want to be an effectual doer of the word of God? Hey, it's responding. Every promise has a required response. In fact, look what the first thing God says to Joshua. He says, "Moses, my servant is dead. Arise and go over this Jordan to the land that I've promised the children of Israel." Every prop. Do we need to stop here and think about this? Every promise requires a response. God comes to Joshua in the middle of his grief, in the middle of his low point of life, in the middle of probably going, What in the world are we going to do without Moses? He's dead. Get up and get going. Fulfill the promise of God. It requires a response. Most people never make it here. They never make it. They hear it, but they never do it. He said, get up and get going. And so there was a, there was a required response in order for the promise of God to become a reality. And that's what you and I have to understand. It's the response that we've got to respond to God. Here we go. We respond with action. Somebody say action. Not just confession, but action. In fact, if you go back to the first time they had to cross over in the Red Sea, they got out there, and within days, the children of Israel are ready. You just brought us out to kill us. That's what he did. He brought us out here to kill us. Here come the Egyptians. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? And God says uh, to tell the people, be still. And then he says, shut up. Because he says, quit crying out to me and tell the people to go forward. Everybody say, go forward. You see, in a, listen carefully, in a moment of uncertainty, if you've got a promise from God, it doesn't matter what you see with your natural eye. You've got the word of the Lord, and it's time to get busy and go where God says go and do what he says do. It's the response of action. And for some of us, it's past time, including this old preacher, that we make a move and we keep moving forward. You know, I think about where I am sometimes and I think, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Wait a minute, I've got a word from God. We're going to build a church in Dandora, bless God. We're going to keep drilling water wells in Mexico. We're going to keep expanding the kingdom right here at Church on the Rock North. We're going to go forward. Everybody say, go forward. Tell somebody, tell five people, it's time we go forward. Tell somebody, it's time we go forward. It's time we go forward. It's the responsibility of action. Number two, we respond not only with action, but we respond with attitude. Now, not just any attitude. But it's the attitude of faith. But what, because what does he tell Joshua three times? Verse seven, 
Verse 6 and 7 and verse 9, be strong and of a good courage. Everyone say, be strong and of a good courage. Come on, tell somebody. Look at somebody. Come on now. Be strong and of a good courage. That's the kind of attitude you're going to have to have. When you get a promise from God, the responsibility we have is to respond with action and respond with the right attitude. Hey, bless God, here we go. Hallelujah. I'm going to be strong and of a good courage. I wonder why God told Joshua to be strong and of a good courage. Because to do anything significant for God, it's going to take strength and courage. Amen. You can't sit on the sidelines of life and, and, and obtain the promises of God. It's going to take great courage. And I stand before you today uh, by the faith of God and by the, uh, the will of God. I'm, de- I'm declaring to myself, Pastor Sam, I don't call myself that. Sam, be strong and of a good courage. That's the attitude I take. That's where I stand today. Where do you stand? I stand in courage. I stand in faith. We respond with the right attitude. Think about Joshua and Caleb back 40 years earlier. The the 12 spies uh, went out. 10 came back with the wrong attitude, with a wrong report. Joshua and Caleb jumped up. They knew that there was a great danger there with 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 that bad negative report slipping through the people. They said, hey, we are able to go up and take the country. Let us go up at once and possess it. But that did not happen because people didn't get the promise and they didn't get the attitude. If you get a hold of the promise, you can take the attitude. We respond with action. We respond with an attitude of faith. And number three, we respond with accuracy. Accuracy? Well, look what God spoke to Joshua in verse 7. He said, you get a hold of the law of the Lord. As Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Everyone say, don't turn to the right or the left. In other words, stay true, stay accurate with your life. Stay on target, stay on task, stay on focus. Did you know the word, the very word sin in the New Testament, a Greek word hamartia, you know what it means to miss the mark. To not be accurate in your life. To not be fine-tuned with the will of God for your life. Listen carefully to me, I'm going to make this statement. If it fits you, just take it and don't be offended. Most people live a mediocre, haphazard Christian life. It just becomes a part of their life rather than the focus of their life. They're living life haphazard. They're not fine-tuned and not living an accurate life. That's why God, hey, you can't turn to the left or the right. You can't be going here. You can't be stumbling around. You can't be haphazard in life. You can't be, hey, listen carefully. We can't be scatterbrained in our thinking if we're going to arrive at the destiny of God for our life. We can't just stumble along in life without the, the fire, the purpose, and the destiny of God burning bright in our heart and ever expect to arrive at God's destiny for our life. It's time to fine-tune our lives and quit looking to the left and to the right. Most, listen, most Christians live their life trying to figure out what they can get away with and still get to God. What is that? They live their life defending, looking to the left and looking to the right 
Rather than embracing God's purpose and say, I'm not looking to the left. I'm not looking to the right. I'm looking right towards Him. I'm staying focused on Him. And bless God, He's going to make my way prosperous and I'm going to have good success. Amen. We respond to the promises of God with our remembrance, with our reliance. Responding with action and attitude and accuracy. And number four, we respond, I love this one, with anticipation. Everyone say anticipation. Beverly and I talked about this on the way. But I love what Joshua does. He gets the promises of God burning in his heart. And then he starts building anticipation in the people. So they can begin to catch it. Listen carefully. Arriving at God's destiny for your life, you really haven't arrived if you're the only one that gets there. It's a corporate journey. Are you with me? And look what he, look what he says. Look, look how he begins to build anticipation. Verse 10 and 11, the first thing Joshua does once he embraces the promises of God, he says in verse 10 of chapter 1, he said he commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and, and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you will cross over this Jordan and go to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now where had they been for 40 years? Wandering in the wilderness. And Joshua shows up on morning day when Moses is dead. He said, come on people, it's time to get going. I'm telling you, within three days, you're going to see the promised land. You're going to see what, what we've only dreamed about. You're going to see what our forefathers forfeited because of their disobedience. You're going to begin to experience it three days. He starts building anticipation in the people. They're going, three days? Oh my, are you kidding me? They get right up to the Jordan. And he says this to them. I love this part. When they get up there, he says, you know what God's going to do tomorrow? And this is the second day. He says, you know what God's going to do tomorrow? He tells the people, let me tell you what God's going to do tomorrow. You can bank on it. Verse 5, chapter 3, he says, the Lord is going to do wonders among you. He said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord is going to do wonders among you. I came to tell you, from the prayer closet of life, from the, from the place of, of meditation upon God. Hey, listen, Church on the Rock North family, the Lord's going to do wonders among us. Maybe I need to stir up some more anticipation here. The Lord is going to do wonders among you. The Lord's going to do wonders. Our future is glorious. The Lord is going to do wonders among us. Well, I don't know, preacher. Well, you stay on this side of the river if you want. And keep eating what is it. You know they ate the same old thing every day? Whoo. I can take it for a couple of days. About the third day, hey, leftovers are for the birds. Right? Tell somebody, hey, just put, put your, best faith, your best faith smile on. 
And even if, if there's somebody, if there's nobody sitting in a chair, get up and find, look somebody in the eye and say, the Lord's doing wonders among us. He's going to do wonders among us. Do you got enough faith to do that? The Lord's going to do wonders among us. Do it. Please help me. <laughs> Tiffany, help, help, help. Tell somebody, hey, you got a big place to go. You can't, you got to look somebody in the eye. Come on, Scott, you can do it. Come on now. Tell somebody, the Lord's going to do wonders among us. Hey, come on now. The Lord's going to do wonders among them. My responsibility is to build anticipation because, hey, we can't be sitting on our blessed assurance when the rivers begin to part and we're sitting there going, oh, what in the world is that? Amen. Amen. Michelle, did Mark tell anybody that the Lord's going to do wonders among us? He told you? Okay. Did you believe it? You believed it. You believed it. Good. Penny, did you tell anybody? Did, did they believe it? Mistia, did they believe it? You think they did? Okay. Let's give the Lord a great big clap offering. Say, the Lord's doing wonders among us. You know what time it is when the preacher closes his Bible? Who knows? I don't know about you, but I don't want to wander around in the sameness of life. I want to move to the perfect plan of God for my life. Let's stand together this morning. Let's begin to declare the promises of God. Because listen carefully, when you began to embrace the promises of God, you began to Remember them and rely upon them and respond to them with righteous action and righteous attitude and a righteous activity of life. And you begin to build anticipation. You know what begins to happen? You start seeing the reward. And it came to pass just as God said that when the priests put their feet into the waters. In fact, here's an interesting note. Did you know God didn't even tell Joshua how it was going to happen? He just said, get the, get the Ark of the Covenant and tell the priests to go get in the water. He didn't say it would, it would part. But you know what? Joseph, pardon me, Joshua had a memory of the Red Sea crossing. And he started telling everybody, it's going to part. Because we are a crossover people. That's who we are. We're not a dead-end people. We're not a wilderness-wandering people. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're God's special people. And today God wants to lead us through and into the perfect plan of God for our lives. We can begin to experience and see the promises of God for our life. Everywhere we put our foot, He can give it to us. We'll make our way prosperous and have good success. Everyone say good success. I like that. How about you?